All right. Well, here we are, uh, May 7th, 2021, uh, the end of another week, the end of the first week of May. Uh, Chris, how you doing? Doing great, Tom. How was your looking, Cinco de Mayo? Looking pretty snazzy there and your, uh, right. your uh, uh, cuffs up. <laughs> Let me do that, little too. Casual, All right, there we little go. casual today. Yes, Got sir. Got the cuff Friday. up today. Nice. Uh, so I uh, <laughs> want to cover a couple of things here in this week's podcast. We'll obviously go through the markets and the news. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things you and I were talking about was last week we were talking about selling May and go away and why this may not be the year that the May, the selling May and go away could actually happen. Um, but I was reading a, one of many articles out there about the roaring 20s. And are we getting mm -hmm. into a 100-year cycle where the roaring 20s could be back? And so want to cover that a little bit later in the podcast, too. So, you know, there's so much to talk about uh, in our half an hour together. But um, let's start with the news. So you uh, have been dissecting the family feud going on <laughs> in Washington between um, Janet Yellen and, Yellen and Jerome Powell. So tell us about it. Well, earlier this week, you had Janet Yellen come out and or less not rebuff, but certainly fire a, uh, a warning shot across the market's bow and maybe Jerome Powell's bow. She used to have his job, remember, um, saying that she's concerned about inflation or she at least thinks that inflation may be affecting the market in the closer term than the, the, uh, the later term here. And Jerome Powell and the rest of the Fed governors have been pretty steadfast in their opinion that this is a 2022-2023 problem. Janet Yellen basically telling us, hey, 2021, start to expect it. And isn't that what the bond market's been telling us, Tom? I mean, yeah, it has been. But didn't she, uh, you know, do the moonwalk backwards and, and try to step back a little bit, which is what I believe she did part just, of this week's uh, kind of rebound in certain certain areas. Uh, it wasn't wasn't she kind of a net effect to that, too? She she did indeed. Um, but as you know, you really can't unsay those words. Remember taper tantrum, right? Taper tantrum out, mm -hmm. the market kind of gets yeah. a hold of something like that, and it's like a rabid dog. This is one of those things that's going to be talked about, written about over the next couple of weeks. And you and I both know that inflation is here. I mean, look at the DBA, look at the DBC, look at anything that is an inflation-adjusted or inflation-sensitive type of security. Look at the tips, what's going on in the tips market right now. This right. is something that is a little closer. It's just, I think the market has said, it's that old thing of, well, we're starting at zero, so we can afford to go up. It's not the rate of increase. It's the level that's going to bother everybody. But I think when when the market looks at it, the rate of increase is going to be a concern at some point, regardless if we're coming off of zero. I did find it quite interesting, though, this week that, um, you know, some of the uh, – uh, there's some, some folks out there saying, uh, you know, you know some of the adages, it's five o'clock somewhere – uh, mm -hmm. you know, this week we had uh, Star Wars. May the Fourth be with you. <laughs> uh, it was Cinco de Mayo <laughs> this week. Uh, you know, uh, you look at some of the memes out there. Uh, Four twenty is an interesting number that that comes up a lot, especially in the uh, cannabis community. But uh, right. you know, there were some Those folks community. out there were some folks out there that threw some interesting things. It says four twenty. Four twenty is going to be the S and P high. Well, it's interesting that four twenty this week held and stuck really well. And although we're not off of it that much, 
you know, I guess time's going to tell to see whether or not that that is, in, is going to be included in uh, the history books. Maybe not for the entire year or, or years going forward, but for the month of May, perhaps. Who knows? Possibly. Hey, so let, let me throw something out because you just said 420 and there were some people out there proclaiming it Doge Day. And you and I have talked a lot about what's been going on with crypto. And Mr. Musk obviously comes uh, to the tip of people's tongue, especially when you talk about Doge. He's going to be on Saturday Night Live this week, Tom. Yep. You and I and are both, we have contrarian blood running through our, our coursing through our investor minds. Man, Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live, and he's been tweeting about Dogecoin. Is this setting up? Doge has been going through the roof, to the moon, as they say. Is this yeah. setting up for a little bit of what we saw with Bitcoin and Coinbase? Well, you know, I mean, let me mention this real quick first. And I've said this before. I'm not a fan of Dogecoin. Um, I'm getting my head handed to me by mm -hmm. family members who are a fan of Dogecoin. Um, I have a brother-in-law who owns it at a penny. And he went ahead and took Ooh. some off the table because of that whole concern about buy the rumor, sell the news. Because you're right, Doge has just yep. gone crazy. I think the high we saw earlier this week was 69 cents. It's kind of been all over the place. Um, he decided to, against his, against his, um, uh, his, judgment, which is all over the place, the fear and the greed, and you know, they're all coming in. And, and I told him, look, take an emotional, take an emotional stance. If you're talking about this so much, then you need to take some of it off and, and, and take off the emotional steam. So yep. he, he, he reduced his position a little bit in Doge, took some profits. Now he's probably going to complain to me if it goes to a dollar, it's going to be my fault that he did it. Uh, because everything's my fault in, my, in our family. <laughs> but um, but let me yeah. tell you something else, Chris. Last week we were discuss we were on this uh, program, and here we are this week in Ethereum, which is a coin I do believe in, up another twenty percent uh, plus yep. in a week. We weren't even in three thousand. You know, three thousand was the resistance level last week, and here we are. We sit, and we're now uh, cracking the thirty six hundred area we're, we're we're knocking on that and and pushing around so you know where's the where's the projections lie in uh, ethereum i said it last week i'll say it again take a look at bitcoin take a look at ethereum all right two what i think very mm -hmm. very uh fundamental coins one was the foundational coin one was really the coin that ushered in it's the coin of coins because almost every cryptocurrency is minted off the erc25 platform the Ethereum platform. So uh -huh. I believe Ethereum is a very valuable coin in the mix. Um, if you take a look at the market caps on each of these, Bitcoin over a trillion, Ethereum is catching up. It was in the $100 million range, jumps to two. Now it's around $350 million. I mean, I believe down the road, it could be years from now, the way Ethereum's going, it could be months from now. I believe Ethereum is going to catch up and have the same market cap as Bitcoin. Um, that would mean that if Bitcoin were to stay where it is right now, Ethereum would have to trade somewhere near $10,000 uh, to be at the same market cap. I do think Bitcoin is going to rise, but I think Ethereum is the play and Ethereum is going to make a much larger bounce uh, to, to play catch up 
to the market cap of Bitcoin. So what I believe we're seeing is just the begin, still the beginning stages of a huge rally in Ethereum or Ether as it's called. Now back to Dogecoin. <laughs> um, <laughs> buy the rumor, sell the news. You know, we're talking right now. We're going to go through the weekend. Saturday Night Live is going to happen. What is Dogecoin going to do after that event? I think it is going to pull back. Uh, you know, I guess I'll find out whether I'm, you know, my face is in mud or not next week. But, uh, you know, for those of you that are watching the podcast, you know, what are your thoughts on Doge? What are your thoughts on, on, on cryptocurrency and the Saturday Night Live news event that everybody is looking forward to seeing? Uh, so, Chris, that's that's my thought on crypto. Any comments you want to add? I think we're just we when we look at it, and I love your comments about uh, Bitcoin versus Ethereum uh, was listening with my eyes and my ears wide open and increased my position in Ethereum simply because I believe the same thing. Um, I also noticed that the, the that buzz that we saw around Coinbase is still just not lifted the haze off of Bitcoin and oh, yeah. wonder. Yeah. I mean, that just every one of these public events and we, we, we were lighthearted when we say buy the rumor, sell the news or sell the fact, but is it truly, especially in these cases where you've got something that you can look at it and say, Hey, we're getting to a point where you could say it's optimistic run over. It is in 10 or it is, you know, dare we say what Mr. Greenspan said, <laughs> Way back when, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it it truly is getting off the rails here. So keep that in mind for a second. And gold and silver, let's hit gold and silver because they're both making some breakouts right now. And they you are. and I have talked in the past. It was last summer about is Bitcoin the new hedge for gold because Bitcoin's got growth acceptance going for it, and gold's kind of like you're not going to walk around with bricks of gold. Gold and silver catching a bid right now. Is in the dollar starting to reverse a little bit? Are we seeing a rotation um, of those people that have made so much money in some of the the cryptos kind of starting to take a little favoring to, to physical gold and silver now? Possibly. I mean, it's it's actually something we've discussed in our our little family office meetings. Uh, that mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and I said this last week. I've said it for a while now that I love when someone hates commodities. I love. When when the when the when the the um, sentiment, especially in gold, had been when I started hearing people saying, you know, gold is thrown, you can throw it away. Uh, this is not going to be an asset class. I mean, that's that's when I know when you start hearing negative comments and on an asset and it stops going down, then most of the sellers have been flushed out. And I like that long that that long term piece. Yep. I added to my GLD positions. Um, and uh, obviously that was the right call. Let me just back up a second and talk about Coinbase because you brought it up. Um, I own it, and you know what? Looks like Coinbase is going to be one of those long-term average down positions, but I do believe that, you know, because mm -hmm. I've seen Coinbase was 300 last week. We're cracking, the, we cracked the 250s. We're in the, in the 250s here, yep. and so I'm looking at maybe averaging down, buying in some more at the 250 mark. Maybe I'll sell puts at 250 to allow myself that um, that obligation and at least get paid for it. Um, but I do think that uh, you know Coinbase may be pulling back simply because it's not running up with uh, with crypto. But I do think too that when they come out, this might going to take a little time. 
because they've already announced their their Q1 earnings. They come out with their two Q earnings. I think they might be a, a surprise because so many people are, are getting advertised about cryptocurrency. You hear about it so much, especially Ethereum. You can trade Ethereum on the Coinbase platform. Maybe Coinbase is going down because yeah. you cannot trade Doge on it or Doji. Um, but I, I still think that, uh, you know, if we see Doji start to pull back a little bit and Ethereum continuing its run, I think that's going to be all the good news for Coinbase. Now, uh, back to precious metals once again. Um, gold, I, uh, you know, I'm a, a long-term believer in, a long-term owner of. Silver, not so much. Uh, and, and I think it's because, to me, if you own one, you own both. But I might not be right on that one, Chris, because silver definitely is kind of the alpha dog in terms of if we do see a run up between these two metals, silver seems to be a much higher percentage move uh, than gold in most cases. How do you see that? Uh, same thing, industrial. I mean, if you look at it, industrial uses of silver, if we've got an economy that continues to expand the way it is, inflationary pressures pushing up commodity prices across the board, silver has that little extra kicker, that bonus of being a little more industrialized than gold. And certainly gold's got its place when you talk about high tech, you know, semiconductors, yada, yada. But that's more graphite now. I mean, when's graphite going to start being traded as a commodity? I guess yeah, is my question there. Absolutely. But, yeah. But if if you look at it, silver's got that extra kicker of being kind of the old man's gold and the useful gold. It's not through the roof. Nobody's buying it for jewelry. Come on. So I think true. silver, it, I'm true, with you. True, true. Silver kind of gets uh, that slingshot effect of industrial. <laughs> Let me ask you one more question. Let's stick on the commodity side. And I've mentioned graphite kind of with a, a you know forked tongue here. But how about lithium? Clean energy's been getting smacked around tesla trading down now neo's been having some good news they're down and is so lithium is more or less the commodity that i watch when it comes to these these uh areas of the market whether it's solar panels you need batteries on a solar panel you need batteries for everything at what point does lithium become a buy as a first touch for clean energy for everything across the board because Lithium usage going through the roof, but lithium prices in terms of these stocks are going down. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what? You just brought up NEO, so let's just talk about it for a sec. Um, you know, back mm-hmm. in February, this, tra- this thing was trading above 60. It had a good earnings report yep. that came out uh, at, the en- at the end of February, and that caused a decrease in prices. It dropped all the way down to almost 40. Then we had the rebound. Right. Well, this time we had an earnings miss in NEO. And the stock acted, uh, reacted negatively. We're right back down around that. Well, we touched 40, but I mean, we're in the low 40s once again. Um, you know, if you like this play, Chris, as a longer term play, how do you how do you trade it? You just pick it up at prices that you see here? Or do you, you know, perhaps look at uh, at selling put options to try to grab um, uh, grab a $40 price and get paid for it at the same time? What are your thoughts on how to trade a, a company like Neo? I I am with you on the put sell on a company like Neo. I I look at this and as you know I'll I'll swing immediately to the technicals and point out that hey you got the 50 20 and 200 day moving averages trading all within each other. Remember they just came out last week and said that their deliveries were up. They posted good numbers on delivery. So it's not that this is dead on the table per se the stock but right. It is, 
you know, it's in place for some uh, a little bit of technical revitalization. When I look at it, you're only getting 6% on those 35s if you're looking at the June 35s. 6% on a stock that's trading with the volatility as high as it is is pretty low. I'd yeah. like to get a, paid a little more on that. So maybe the, well, the put sell is not a terrible, but keeping in mind that I'm going to be dollar cost averaging in on this. Um, yeah. I, it, I mean, it, you know what? Uh, you, you look at the 40s, for instance, the June 40s. They're, they're trading in the, the mid twos right now, the low, the mid $2 range. So, I mean, you're getting a, you know, you're getting a, um, well, I mean, this is for the June 18 options. You're getting a better than 5% um, uh, payout for the 40s if you sell them. Um, you know, that puts you down around 30. So let's call it 37 and a half to 38 as far as a break mm-hmm. even. That's where you ultimately own the stock if you were put the stock. Um, it's not a bad place to be, you know, if you if you believe in clean energy and you, and you uh, believe in this company. Uh, and, and the other thing I'm going to mention, too, because... We study the implied volatilities of these, so we try to get an idea if the options are cheap or expensive. I love selling expensive premium. The time to have sold this, ex- this expensive oh, yeah. premium was a couple of days ago before the earnings came out, but that would have been eaten up a lot in price drop. So this, and the other thing I want to mention is that um, implied volatility, the options premiums right now on Neo are, ex- are not exactly cheap by any means. They're pretty much right in the middle. So selling put premium on this. I will give it a, a B plus because you're outside of earnings. So you're outside of one event that can take it, take a stock up huge or down huge. So you're outside of that risk, Correct. but you still have some decent premium, which is, you know, this thing should be selling. Those puts should be selling for my mind, uh, 30% less, 30 to 40% less, just simply because of the events behind us. But because of that huge drop, it's actually still sticking. Next, this time next week, that 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 premium might be gone, but we'll we'll you know we'll bring it back up again next week and take a look at it. So we will. What else is yeah. on your radar that you like in clean stock, uh, clean energy that we could take a, a oh, quick my stab gosh. at? Boy, you, the, the, I mean, you're looking, you're trying to look at clean shirts or somewhat less clean shirts in the dirty hamper right now. When you talk about <laughs> anything in clean energy, Blink Holdings, though, B L N K or Blink Charging, rather. Trading around oh. thirty three bucks. This is the third third time it's touched down onto the thirty three after bottoming at twenty eight. They have been doing, and obviously you can start talking about infrastructure spending uh, when you yeah. talk about blink charging because they're going to be active in getting a lot of that infrastructure for the EVs out there. I like this one because it has turned into a little best in breed in terms of technical. It's leading the clean energy sector. Um, it's doing better on a technical basis than the uh, the EV companies themselves. And you know what? Every time I open up briefing.com or Bloomberg, I see that they have signed yet another deal. They are raising money and they're they're putting it to good use. And the stock, even though it's off, I mean, it traded up at 64 in uh in february tom yeah. the yep. stock yep. is trading right now at 30 bucks so it's down 50 percent now i like this as one of the early early uh gainers here now let me tell you this um those options that are at the money with blink are trading mm-hmm. i'm looking at this right now they're trading uh about 15 percent 15 percent of the stock price roughly so On the, the reason why blink is more expensive yeah, uh, the reason why Blink is more expensive 
than uh, Neo puts is because their earnings are coming up next week. And so the, the yep. cat's not out of the bag yet. And the, infl- the, the inflated balloon, we're going to call option prices, is still blowing up. So um, keep in mind, this one's going to make a little jump here. And, in, and the option traders believe that uh, based on what I'm seeing right now, is that you could see a 25% move in this stock after earnings one way or another. There's a, that's, that's what I see as a possibility when you take a look at, at option premium the, near, around those near money options. Options traders are suggesting this stock is going to move somewhere around eight points. It's going to have about an eight-point fluctuation. Um, yep. If you look eight points up or eight points down from where the stock is right now, uh, and that's today. I mean, this might even get become even more of a fever pitch come next week right before those options come out. But if you believe in this company, uh, which obviously, it, you know, you make a good po- uh, case here, Chris, then selling these put options, you're going to receive a much greater payday. Right. And and for those that don't understand, because there's a lot of people out there that have heard a lot about selling puts and all of that, go just one step deeper on the why those premiums. It, it comes down to that one word, uncertainty, right? That's right. So if you're selling, if you're buying those puts, or if you're the person that's selling them, it, I mean, explain to the people why those premiums are going to jump up right ahead of the earnings. Uh, well, what's going to happen is you're going to have um, both uh, call buyers and put buyers are going to be bidding up those options. Call buyers are going to be bidding up sp- simply because they're speculating a jump up in Blink. Put buyers are going to be right. bidding up because of one of two reasons. Either they are speculating it's going to go down or they're buying these options to hedge the stock that may, they may own. In either case, it's going to drive those prices up too. And then you've got arbitragers who are going to go in there and look and see if the calls – are much more expensive than the puts or vice versa. And they're going to try to balance those out uh, by ways of right. locking in locking in a, a small gain. Um, so all of this spells a higher put premium and higher call premium in terms of a percentage that we look at called implied volatility prior to those earnings coming out. So, yep. so Chris, I thought we'd spend the last few minutes talking about something a little more long term. Um, we had mentioned last week about selling May and go away. And would mm-hmm. there possibly be uh, a, a reason that that would not happen? Well, um, I've looked at several different articles, videos, uh, research reports about what is being called the Roaring Twenties, the return to the Roaring Twenties. Uh, this is obviously a 100-year cycle, if you want to call it that. But um, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you a quick little history lesson. Back in 1918, we had the flu pandemic, the great influenza, as it was called. Um, And what ended up happening uh, because of the outcome of that pandemic, you know, it's actually quite interesting. You know, we have COVID right now uh, that's out, you know, that's continuing to uh, push, uh, you know, different variants uh, are pushing pushing a rebirth of, of um, not only uh, vi- the, the virus, uh, um, but but um, deaths as well. Um, you know, the, what's, look at what's going on in India. It's uh, it's it's uh, heartbreaking. But at the oh, same yeah. time, when you when you go back and you look at data and you look at what happened in 2000 in 1918, I mean, I, you know, I did not know this until I started uh, doing some research on it. But think about this. You know, you look at uh, covid. 
you know, COVID right now, you know, right now, uh, I don't know the millions, the exact number, but if it's 3 million people worldwide, uh, take a look at what happened in, in 1918 and 1919. There were a hundred, there were roughly a hundred million people that died from uh, the great influenza, you know, the big flu outbreak of 1918. Mm -hmm. And that was on a, a population, a global population that was one fourth the size of what we have right now. So, right. you know, I mean, I think we all know somebody that caught COVID. Um, mm -hmm. My daughter ended up getting it. Uh, and and we're, tr we're trying to figure out how. And what's more important is we're trying to figure out how we didn't get it. But anyway, there's, I mean, you know, everybody knows somebody, almost everybody I know knows somebody that has COVID. But back in 1918, everybody knew people who died from, from influenza. And in most cases, everyone knew a lot of people who died because there were just less people on the planet. Uh, and, and this thing ran through. And killed a lot of people. And of course, we didn't have modern medicine like we do now. So I, I bring that up as a history lesson because it's not, you know, what we want to talk about is not the actual numbers and, and you know, what happened in both the pandemic then and what we see now. But the economic boom that came out of 2019, the Roaring Twenties, and draw some distinctions, you know, some some parallels and of course, some some contrast to that. Um, the parallels, first of all, is the the, the government uh, uh, put in place a lot of economic stimulus packages back then. What they could, what they understood for. Um, back then, incomes went up. Back then, employment went up. Spending went up. But in some cases, not on the same level that we're seeing now. I mean, you see, uh, unemployment's up now off of the pandemic. Income is up. I want to say something like 20%. And part of that's because of the stimulus checks that have gone out too. But right. spending is, we've had the greatest spending in history. There's not been uh, more spending that's happened uh, in our lifetimes and, and, and going back since then. So that leads me to think that, you know, as long as inflation is kept under check, and as long as um, we don't just continue to throw money at every problem uh, that, that's happening, uh, it, maybe even if we do continue to throw money and push, you know, I think a lot of the reason why we're seeing uh, the stock market hitting highs that it is now is just simply an arbitration of the fact that the dollar is cheaper than it was. So Correct. what are your thoughts on this and, and what do you see happening long term? Well, Take it from the stimulus uh, angle first, because that is what is first and foremost on everybody's mind. So you have the government that's getting ready to, first of all, they've already stimmied us, as you mentioned, you know, yeah. individually, or certain people have been stimulated, others have not. Um, and that has helped the market out. We've read that's been well, well publicized, that we've seen a new breed of investors come in. You go down to the next level, and now it's stimulating the economy through infrastructure growth, which is the thing that's in front of Congress right now. And the way that they're going to pay for that is with taxes. So there's going to be this push-pull that we're going to see over the next year. And I think that's what's going to start to put the market into a little bit of a, maybe this isn't free money that's going to drive everything up. It's going to cost us something. Nonetheless, I don't think you can turn away from the fact that 
as you had with the 20s, everybody wanted to just get back out, get to experiencing life again. And I think that's an understated thing in this economy. When we look at it, you think there, everybody watches Carnival Cruise Line, right, Tom? Carnival Mm -hmm. Cruise Line and Royal Caribbean have turned into the canaries in the coal mine for the recovery trade. But yeah, and I'm still trying to figure out how. Yeah, there's so much more out there. I mean, just looking at the retailers, which mm-hmm. cannot be stopped right now. No, um, they can't. Looking you, you know, at, and you know the big difference is, is that back 100 years ago, people came out of the, that pandemic saying, wow, I'm lucky to be alive. You know, I mean, correct. You, you know, that, that's not the same thinking as someone boards an airplane now or someone's on a carnival cruise. They're not yeah. thinking about why, how, why did I live? But no, they're th- they're they're. They're looking at this completely different um, because of the, yep. the you know, I, we see the numbers every day. And it's crazy when you see, you know, three million plus people that have died from COVID. But when you look at sheer percentages of that on top of the number of people that live on this planet today, that's why you and I are boarding an airplane. And we're, we're saying, all right, put the mask on because chances are I'm going to be fine. And. You know, and, and people are spending money because they've been pent up for a year. It's not because they're thinking, right. I'm going to die tomorrow. It's because they're, they're just tired of staying indoors. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, uh, with, with that spending money. We're spending money. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the, the Gentile household is spending money. Yeah. You know, we want to get out. We want to, you know, I can't wait till they open up international travel. I got a house over in New Zealand that is getting dusty. Yeah. Because nobody's there. So I'm with you. I was just about to make a kind of a, a point that I think is capturing this. And you you mentioned, you know, we're we're taking we feel like we're taking chances, but we're not. Last week you mentioned India, three hundred and fifty thousand people in one day. And then right after that you brought up the number that matters, which is what is that as a percentage of their population? It sounds horrible to us. But 350,000, unfortunately, it's a healthcare system that is taxed already. um, And they're running out of things, as we saw happen here. But it's still a small number when you look at the grand scope of things. The thing that I wanted to point out that piggybacks on your international travel, Tom, you're familiar with the company TravelZoo, I'm sure. It's traded, publicly traded, TZOO. They are a discount travel broker. You get a top 20 list, I do, every week of trips so you can go here, there, everywhere. You can now buy trips to the Maldives with a private over-the-water bungalow for two people, including air travel, for $1,900. Three meals a day, open bar for two hours a day, sitting over the water for a week. Um, And the kicker is you don't have to make that travel until 2023. Yeah. If you want to say so, how I mean, long can it's this pay go now. on, this get back out there? Yeah. It's pay now and get entertained later. Um, and I think it's a smart right. approach. And I think people that jump on that are going to be smart too, because these, these, oh. these little, um, uh, these big discounts, not little, but at all big discounts, these are going to disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think within the next couple of months uh, as, as right. things open up. And, and when you look at, you know, and the other thing I look at is I look at, how has the pandemic, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, COVID pandemic, um, mm-hmm. when you look at sectors, and I got sectors on the screen right now, you know, the financials have done really well. Uh, I mean, everything's gone up. But when you look at industrials, 
and you look at materials, um, you know, the, the and, and financials, those have done really well. But you know who's coming up really fast? Consumer discretionary. Um, oh, yeah. And you know, <laughs> oh, retail yeah. and travel. And, you know, these and, and for the longest time, myself included, I didn't want to invest in those sectors because I thought they were already overdone. I think they will be overdone once people are back in, you know, back out there and enjoying themselves. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see companies like airlines that are already scrambling for, you know, they're, they're, let's open the middle seat. Let's, you know, let's uh, uh, knock off change fees. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing this stuff happening right now. Um, but uh, at the same time, they've got, a, they've added another level of service, which is a la carte where you pay for right. everything except the trip to the restroom. And I'll that'd probably be coming soon too. You know, they'll have a coin-operated <laughs> coin stalls. But, don't um, give them any ideas. <laughs> but, if they, but if they don't start to, to um, moderately raise their prices soon, then I think that, you know, certain areas of the travel industry will eventually start to fall apart a bit. But right now, it's, uh, yep. it's, it's, it's all hands on deck in terms of um, uh, stock prices going higher in these sectors. Yeah, this feels like an annuity. You're going to make a lump sum investment into consumer discretionary, into travel companies, and they are going to pay you for the next three. If you look at the travel zoo example, uh, you can't tell me that somebody's going to, I'm thinking about buying that. If I drop the $1,800 to go between now and 2023, I can tell you the $1,800 is going to be a drop in the bucket compared to what I spend getting ready for that trip, uh, traveling along that trip. It is a wise investment that these companies are making to discount it right now because it gets you and I back out there and we're going to keep paying. We're going to keep yeah. putting money into that bucket. I think 2023, you bring up your roaring 20s and I love that analogy. This goes out until 2023 or even later. Yeah. So Maybe you, so you got to think, some, you know, as a trader, we can always think in terms of weeks and months. But as an investor, mm -hmm. I think you really have to take a big, big look at this picture and put yourself out Absolutely. years. Uh, because I, th I do think it's going to be years before we start to really see any monster drawbacks. So, Absolutely. Chris, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Have great. a great, uh, great weekend uh, coming up. And we'll see you again same time next week. We'll see you, Tom. Have a great Bye. one. Bye, everyone.